How are we all doing? Feeling okay? Got the red, red microphone today. Reminds me of the mighty Reds. Anyone enjoy Mo Salah's goal last weekend? Whew. I've just lived in that glory. <laughs> lived in that glory. I know some of you are like, just come on, talk about Jesus. That's, that's what we're going to do this morning. I love Ralph. That was just such a precious time. Andy and band as well. Like, we are so blessed. We say this week after week. I'm glad you're excited. Penny. Penny's like, come on, let's, you know, they're, they're wonderful, aren't they? Um, so, like, every week, just have this sense of, man, it doesn't take long just to experience the presence of Jesus. We know he's here. Theologically, in our minds, we know it, but in our hearts. Becky, that contribution, I don't know where you are. You're right up there. It's so, so precious. I think we can forget that time and time again, that he sees you. He sees me. Um, so today we're going to start this series, as Ralph said, Jesus is the image of God. Um, it's not exactly the most creative title, um, but we just kind of wanted to say what it does on the tin, really. Like, we're going to look at Jesus up until Christmas unashamedly, and who knows, it might just carry on until he returns. Um, every, every, everything that gets said, everything that gets said has to find its place in him. You know, the Jesus Storybook Bible, has anyone got that? Well, at the bottom it says, every story whispers his name. Our kids are learning this, we need to learn it. Every story has to shout his name to us. So that's what we're looking, how Jesus is the image of God. Why this series? Well, it's quite obvious, really. We want our hearts and minds to be drawn closer and closer to Jesus. As we were preparing for this, Ralph, you know, there's a few of us that get together, just kind of lick our finger, point it in the air and go, what should we talk about? That's Jesus. You know, it's like Ralph is like, I wonder whether we need to do something that just magnifies God. Rather than just about us, we need to look at him. So Ralph really just kind of kicked the ball on a little bit to say, I wonder whether we could look at the greatness of God. And we've landed in this space to say, we're going to look at Jesus through these weeks. So our hearts together individually and together just get drawn closer to him like Ralph said there's something profound about this family being together like this we can worship on our own at home but when we come together this is what the church is living stones built together not a meeting but a people so our hearts to be drawn closer to him so this is really by way of an introduction really um that Jesus would be our everything that we would get such a big view a big vision a big picture that we get drawn to him, that he would literally be the sun that everything else we do, think, say, orbits around. I want my life to orbit around him, not the other way around. Jesus, come and, come and do what we think you need to do, and we need to be drawn to him. So across the series, across these weeks, we're going to look at the attributes, the images, the pictures of this incredible king that reflects this incredible God to us. And ultimately, it's about knowing him. And having a walk and a relationship with God through the person of Jesus is all about him. All about Jesus. It re I was reminded a few years ago, several years ago now, when we lived in Hastings, uh, we had a lady visit in our church. She came for the first time. And I think I was talking to her on the phone afterwards. We used to fill out these little contact cards. I phoned her and said, hey, how did you find your time? She said, I love my time with you. It was lovely the worship was wonderful and had a really really good time but if I could give you some feedback and you think oh holy moly 
Brace yourself. Like God says to Job, brace yourself like a man. And the feedback was, loved the worship, found it an incredible time, but you did talk about Jesus a lot. And it, it was said in a way of just criticism, like there was some sort of progression. Like, haven't we progressed? And I think I wasn't trying to be cheeky, but I was like, that is the best feedback we could get. <laughs> and quite honestly, if, if we're known as a church community that all we do is talk about him, we can't go far wrong. So that's what it's about. Friends, it's about him. Through these weeks, we're going to look at how he creates, provides, sustains, comforts and heals, comforts us. He heals us. He saves us. And Jesus has no beginning and he has no end. So we're going to kind of theme this thing and there's going to be different ones of us sharing, but it's all through the lens of Jesus being the image of God to us. So today is set in the scene. If you have a Bible, turn to Colossians chapter 1. So we're basing this time really Colossians chapter 1 and Hebrews chapter 1. Colossians Colossians chapter 1, it should, yes, thank you, it's on the screen behind me. And it'll come up on the screen as well. For those watching, listening at home, we love you. If you're listening, watching, you know, checking church out, you're welcome. I hope you find this helpful. Colossians 1, starting at verse 15, he is the image. Some translations say the sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created. We're going to hear a lot of alls. In heaven and earth, visible, invisible, thrones, dominions, rulers, powers, authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. (laughs) There's a lot of alls. It's like it's all for him. It's all in him and he holds it all together. Hebrews 1, verse 1 to 3. Long ago, at many times, in many ways, God has spoken to our forefathers or our ancestors, some translations say, by the prophets. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Just this little throwaway comment. Oh, through Jesus, he also created the world. It's bonkers. It's mad. He's the radiance of the glory of God in the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. I just want to pray for us right now that you would see this incredible Jesus Christ afresh this afternoon. That somehow what feels familiar will land on you like a wrecking ball again. Like it will grip your heart and it will turn you upside down again and you will leave here going, he's real and he's God and he loves me. So I pray that in Jesus' name. Why don't you ask him right now to speak to you directly? Like Ralph said, this is a profound time. Somehow, We're together. In history, we find our place here together and we're looking to him. So why don't you ask him right now to speak to you directly? Maybe you've come here a little bit like that lost sheep feeling like 
Do you see me, the one? Ask him to speak to you. Through these verses, we've heard some truly, truly bonkers truths. Jesus created all things. Everything was created through him and for him. He holds all things together. So when we look at him sustaining, like the scripture says, Jesus holds the whole universe in his hand. By the power of his word, is held together. Jesus is the heir of all things. And do you know what the, 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 the incredible truth is? That you are now co-heirs with Christ. He's the heir of all things and you're a co-heir with him. Jesus upholds the universe and Jesus purifies us from sin. I don't know when that happened for you, but I know the moment that I was purified from my sin. It changed everything for me. I was acutely aware of the the horror of my own heart. Have you been? Because Jesus purifies from sin. He cleanses us. Says Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. The radiance. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says, the glory of God is seen in the face of Jesus. Jesus is the imprint of God's nature, the stamp, the, the, the mark, the seal of God's very nature. He's the image of the invisible God. This phrase, image, is huge. The image of the invisible God. The, the Greek term or the definition so closely resembles or how we properly understand it. It's like mirror-like. It's not just he does what God does. He's kind of a, a, a representation of him, but it's as if God is looking in a mirror and we're looking in on that. He reflects where the true source comes from. It's mirror-like. As if looking into a mirror, the mirror is just reflecting where the original source comes from, right? That's what it's all about. It's not a shadow, but a, replica, a, a, a replication. Replication? Is that the right word? Yes, I think so. Jesus makes the invisible, the divine, the awesome creator of the universe visible. Many people are searching for answers in life. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're putting the nice Christian smile on. Or maybe you don't know him. But many people search. Many people are searching. What is life about? What is this crazy gig called life really all about? And then you push that on further. Many people, I did before I knew God, I was like, I wonder if there is a God. I wonder if he is like this big force in the clouds. I always believed that there was a presence, a force greater than ourselves. What about you? How, how do you make God in your own mind, What in your heart? What's God like to you? Just ponder that for a moment. Because it's easy to say, yeah, I see him just like Jesus, but we don't really know what that looks like. What picture, what portrait have you painted of God? Because I really believe the image that we have in our own mind will define the kind of relationship we have with him. It will define it. How we might approach this God, this deity, or not approach him. Is he approachable? Is he a he? What is God like? Is it a force? Is it a ghost? Is it a, just a cloud, a presence of some form? 
Through our own lens, we can create our own idea. He's angry. If he is a he, distant, unapproachable, uninterested, unknowable. And the danger from there also is that we make God in our own image. Whereas God says, I've made you in my image. We make God the God that we want him to be. Now, God, God would love me regardless of what I did. God would accept me regardless of what I did. God's kind of whatever you have in your heart and mind. I have family members that believe we are all gods. We are all gods. We create our own God. So we can't really know, can we? We can't really know. I mean, who really knows what God is like? Scripture is really clear. We are told profoundly clear that we can know what God is like. And we see this God, this creator, this awesome being in the person and the face of Jesus Christ. That's where you and I meet him. Brian Zand, in his book, Sinners in the Hands of a Loving God, it's really the rebuttal in Sinners in the Hands of a Vengeful God, if you like, or an Angry God, by Jonathan Edwards. He says that Jesus is actually the perfect revelation of God. I love that. He's perfect theology. He's perfect theology. You know, we can only truly understand this through the perfect word of God. We understand the word through the big word, which is Christ. He is the lens in how we read this. To read this outside of understanding Christ, we can get into all sorts of funky town. He is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. He sums up all the commandments. It's all found in him. Brian Zahn goes on to say, God is like Jesus. God has always been like Jesus. There was never a time that he wasn't like Jesus. Jesus is what God has to say. I love that. My simple little mind gets that. John recommended this book to me. I love it. You want to understand the heart of God towards you? Get this book, Sinners in the Hands of of a Loving God. Jesus is what God has to say. So for me, I'm like, what does God think of my life? Jesus is what God has to say. What does God think about the situation I currently find myself in? Jesus is what God has to say. What does Jesus feel about all my pain? What does God feel? Jesus is what he has to say about all of that. The incarnation, he writes, is the ultimate act of divine self-disclosure. I love that, the incarnation. And at Christmas, I'm almost feeling a bit Christmassy. I'm not sure how many shopping days are left or online Amazon clicks are left until, or any other kind of way of shopping um, until Christmas. But it's, it's feeling Christmassy. But we, we should be celebrating the incarnation all the time, not just at Christmas. The incarnation, though, is what we remember at Christmas, this time where the eternal Son of God put on skin and bones and chose to come and be amongst the people that he created. God, the Son, the eternal Son of God who has always existed. He has always existed. It's a time he put on human form. He come to identify with us, to reason with us, to, to live among us. God, in human form.
Emmanuel, God with us. Happy Christmas. <laughs> Happy Christmas. Andy, can we have a carol at the end? <laughs> Let's sing. We're going to sing carols. 75 days. Thank you, Shirley. 75 days. Oh, I've got time. I've got time. I've got time, Mum. I've got time. Did you just work that out? Thank you. 75 days for those watching online until Christmas. Shopping days left. He has always been, and he has always existed. Like, we need to understand. It reminds me, preparing for this, it reminded me of the beginning, Genesis where it says the spirit of the Lord was hovering over the waters. But it says right at the beginning, beginning of beginnings, it says, let us make man in our own image and likeness. Let us. You know, God isn't someone with all sorts of personalities. He's, he's talking about this triune being that we worship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all equal God, equally God, the Son is God. The Spirit is God. The Father is God. So the Son has always existed. He came with the name Jesus, the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Saviour, to remind humanity what God's heart is towards us, to show us. But he's always existed. The eternal Son of God. There's never been a time that he hasn't. In John 1, some of you will know this so familiarly. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is where other faiths like slip up. This is where Christianity stands alone. This is where we show the world that Christ is God, and he was with God, he is God, he was there in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Talking about Jesus, he was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. I love how that reads. In him, all things were made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Then John 1.14, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, or came and dwelt among us. Feels all Christmassy again. We have seen his glory. The glory is the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. We need to know that this one, this Son, this eternal Son has come full of grace and truth. The message, paraphrase, says this the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. I love that. He's moved into the neighborhood. He's moved into our hearts. Colossians 1.19, it talks about how all of God's fullness, the fullness of God, has found its place in Christ. Jesus is filled with all of the fullness of God. Jesus himself said some huge things in the Gospels. He said, I'm going to paraphrase, but he said things like, if you've seen me, you've seen God. To know me is to know God. Me and the Father are one. If you've welcomed me, you've welcomed God. Ultimately, this is what got him killed for blasphemy. Because they were like, who can speak of God's equal? Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen God. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to God the Father except through me.
Jesus is the only way. He's the only truth. And he's the only life. Jesus is perfect revelation. He is the perfect revelation of God. And he is the final word on all things. This God who was unseen, who was invisible, who is unknown to the naked eye previously, in Christ we see him. He's made himself visible. And guys, I just want to say, understanding this can really, really, really be a game changer. Because when we see our walk with God through the lens of Christ and we say, oh, that's the God I worship, it changes everything. He's not a distant deity. He's not uninterested. He's not angry with you. Maybe some of you think that. He's disappointed in you. He's angry. He's unapproachable. He's unattainable. When we see God through the lens of Jesus, changes everything. Because we see who God really is. We see his heart. Through Christ, we see his character and his nature. How he wants to interact with us. I'm just looking around. Different ages, shapes, sizes, colors, backgrounds, gender, like two genders. Like, this is bonkers. God knows you by name. He sees you. He wants to interact with your heart. You only need to look through the Gospels, the four Gospels. If you live in them and you, you, you see how God wanted to walk among humanity, you see this Christ Jesus who welcomed sinners. The religious authorities couldn't cope with him. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Man, don't you love that? Don't you love that? People, rebellious people like you and I wanted to get as close as possible because he was like nothing else on the planet. When religion said, you cannot, you must not, you leave, you're unclean, Jesus says, come. Come to me, one and all. Actually, starting with the kids. I want little children to come first. I want to show them what the kingdom looks like. And through them, you're going to see my heart for the kingdom. To receive it as little children. Not all uptight and stuffy, as if we know best. This religious sect, but no, precious little kids. Were any of you here a few weeks ago when Game Changers took over? They just got words of knowledge, just like simply wanting to speak out what God wanted us to know. This is what Jesus wants. He wants our hearts to remain childlike, not childish, childlike, fascinated and wonder that we look at this son and go, wow, look at him. When we look through the gospels, we see how Jesus treats life, what he thinks of people and problems, what he thinks of sin. what he thinks of brokenness, what he thinks of hope, and what he says about the future. How God might look at a particular life event or situation, his heart for the broken and rejected. What he thinks about oppression. So easy for us to come up with our ideas, but what does God in Jesus Christ think about oppression? What does he think about injustice? What does he think about injustice? 
What does he think about poverty? You know, through Jesus, we can walk free from our past. I don't, I don't know how you've, you've experienced life, but I was so overcome when I knew that in Christ I could walk free from my addiction. When I could walk free from all my brokenness, from the way I treated people and hurt people and abandoned people and rejected people, I could walk free from that because he cleansed me, he forgave me, he washed me, he accepted me, he saved me, he healed me, he made me whole again. How about you? Has he done that for you? Like, come on, has he done that for you? It's pretty awesome. 20 years he did that for me. 20 years ago he did that for me. And it's so easy to go through the motions. And we rock up at church gathering, we sit and we stand and we sing and we shake hands and we hug and we go. Then we come next week and we sit and we stand and we sing and we shake hands and we hug and we go. You do that for 20 years and you'll drive yourself insane if you don't see what he's done for you, if I don't see what he's done for me, that's why we're here. That's why we're here, warts and all. For all of the cracks in our hearts, we gather together and we look to him and we say, powerful is the name of Jesus. Beautiful is the name of Jesus. Amazing is the name of Jesus. He has no rival. He will have no equal. He's incredible. Through Jesus, we see God's incredible plan for salvation. How much he loves us. How much he loves you. Took him to the cross, friends. Like he gave up everything. He was pinned upon a wooden cross where his body was broken and his blood shed to say, that's how much I love you. That's how much you mean to me. Romans 5.8 says, God has demonstrated his love for us like this. While we were still sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. That's how much he loves you. So much that he's, his body was tortured. But it was love that took him there. Brian Zand says God has a face and it looks like Jesus. God has a disposition towards sinners and it's the spirit of Jesus. This is the beautiful gospel. Do you know what the beautiful gospel is? Jesus Christ. It's all contained in here, but you need to meet him in here. The beautiful gospel is Jesus Christ. If we are to grow as Christians, my dear friends, we have to understand and grasp the centrality and the supremacy and the awesomeness of this risen saviour, Jesus Christ, the God who rose again, the God who died for us and rose again, the God who put on human form and died because he loved us and he rose again to give us new life. He has to be central in everything we do. Everything we say, to know him 
and be known by him. Scripture said that is what eternal life looks like, to know Christ Jesus. Can I encourage us? And I'd love it, Ralph and band, if you guys are okay, can we finish with a song? Is that okay? I'd add you to sing, if that would be okay. Actually, who would be up for that? Me and Ralph, we could, we could sing something like You'll Never Walk Alone or something like that. Just, we could start there. Just as these wonderful people are getting ready, I want to encourage, I want to encourage you, I want to encourage us. What transforms us will transform the world. I remember the moment that I first met Christ Jesus. I left someone's front room where I'd encountered him and I thought, I want everyone to know about him. Little by little though, the woes and the worries of life get in the way. We get all stuffy and religious and we can forget about our prime calling on the earth. That doesn't mean we're all to run out there and just be crazy about it, but we're to carry this transforming power that has changed us to the world around us. The painting that we are painting is Christ Jesus. Let me encourage us. Let me encourage us. Let's paint the beautiful picture of Jesus everywhere we go, through our own lives. And if it doesn't look like Jesus, let's gently encourage one another. Hey man, we might need to repaint that a little bit. If it doesn't look like someone welcoming the oppressed, standing against injustice, calling together one new race in Christ Jesus, every tribe and colour and tongue, a love that beckons people to himself, that we would care for the most poor among us. If it doesn't look like that, we need to paint again. If it doesn't look like we can come to him and be forgiven of all of our sin, we need to paint again. Let me encourage us as a church family, let's paint the beautiful picture of Jesus. I wonder if we could sing, what a beautiful name. You guys might have already set something up. Something like that. I love it. Thanks, bro. Just before... <laughs> It's fine, but we were, okay, cancel everything, guys. <laughs> Just before they lead us in this way, listen to these words. I'm going to read Colossians chapter 1, not the whole chapter, but verse 15 to 23 from the message, the paraphrase translation. It just gives it a beautiful picture here. Listen to this. It's entitled, Christ holds it all together. We look at this song. And we see the God who cannot be seen. We look at this sun and we see God's original purpose for everything. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels. Everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. He's there before any of it came into existence and he holds it all together right up until this moment. And when it comes to the church... He organizes that as well. He holds the whole thing together like a head does the body. He was supreme in the beginning 
and leading the resurrection parade, he will be supreme in the end. From beginning to end, he's there, towering far above everything and everyone. So spacious is he, so expansive that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death and his blood poured out down from the cross. You yourselves are a case study of this. You yourselves are a case study of what he does. At one time, you had your backs turned to him, thinking rebellious thoughts about him, giving him trouble every chance you got. But now, by giving himself completely at the cross, actually dying for you, Christ brought you over to God's side and he put your lives together again, whole and holy in his presence. You don't walk away from a gift like that. You stay grounded. You stay steady in the bond of trust constantly tuned into the message, careful not to be distracted or diverted. There is no other message, just this one. Christ Jesus, we love you. Christ Jesus, you're the sun that we orbit our lives around. Christ Jesus, come and rule in our hearts. Christ Jesus, come and be the sun that is everything to us. Christ Jesus, come and be the King of kings and the Lord of lords in our lives. And may we display your glory everywhere we go. In Jesus' good name, amen. Let's worship him.